Welcome to Rain City Supercars. As always, I am Nick. And I'm Dan, and we are recording live at Drivers Club, brought to you by Avance, Haggerty, Carter Subaru, and drinking a Rainier beer on a hot day. Oh, it's so hot today. It is so hot. 90 degrees when I left the house today. You have air conditioning, though. Uh, yeah, it's been cranked all day. I don't have air conditioning now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the move is complete, um, which is good. I'm actually unpacked. I've got to do one more thing, like tonight. I've got to kind of put away some of my... my it's funny. I no longer have all of my collectible junk in my living room. It's now in my office where it should be. So that's good. So now women won't come in there. Not that they did a lot and go, Oh, why are there toys in your living room? <laughs> stop asking questions and just start building. So many ways we can <laughs> take no, this. No, and I'm just going to stop. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Huh? Lego. So, yeah. Here's the easiest move. I think I've done to date. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, way I move is I move, I move all my little stuff and I, and I, I was so proud. I'd moved everything from Bellevue to, to my Sammamish place, um, all the little stuff with in three totes and two Costco, um, you know, cardboard boxes. And I did, I did seven trips, but I got everything. And what it forced me to do is when I got there, I unloaded everything and put it away. And then I had to take the totes back and reload them up. So it was, it kind of worked. Yes. But, very uh, efficient. It made, you can't find boxes anymore. You used to be able to go to a liquor store and you could get tons of boxes. I can tell you they're all in my spare bedroom in my house still. I thought, if wait, only you had someone to ask. I didn't know. You, I thought we got rid of all your boxes. Oh no, there's so many more. Oh, oh, there is box. I, oh, never mind. <laughs> I did know the answer to that question. I'm not dumb enough to say it though. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I decided to pick a Carter Subaru tip of the week based on the week. Based on the week. Okay. Uh, is it is, an air conditioning tip? It is an air conditioning <laughs> tip. Yeah, okay. All right. right. So one of the things I struggle with is uh, I, have lurked, I have actually looked up this before because I had to prove someone wrong in an argument. You can tell how that went. And uh, it was, what is the most efficient way to run AC in the car? And there are two types of people I've noticed. They get in the car, and when it's too hot, they crank the AC as high as it'll go with as cold as it'll go. And then there's the auto people who hit the auto button, and it sorts it out, and it cools the car down. Okay. All right. So, and we're going to get to cars that don't have auto for a second, because there's lots of cars out there that have AC that don't have automatic. Um, so, here's how it works. So, the best way to do it, one, if you get in your car and it's too hot, you should roll down the back windows. If you have back windows, put the AC, uh, put the AC off and the fan on high for about 20 seconds, and then switch to your AC. What that does is it blows the hot air out of the vents and the ducts and inside of the car, out the car. Then you switch to AC and you're blowing cold air in. Okay. Uh, also, super inefficient to run the AC without your car moving. Think about it. Your car has a condenser, which for those of you who aren't familiar, condenser is just basically the radiator for your air conditioner. Um, they work air needs to flow through air it. Air needs to flow through oh. it. So your air conditioning is much more efficient while the car is moving. Your fans have to work much higher or much faster. Sounds like your tips are going to cause me extra stuff to do during the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. if you have auto, no matter what, They've thought of this. This is not 20 years ago when auto was like the button that vaguely sort of worked. Now auto actually works. It actually detects humidity, detects the temperature inside the car because it says the temperature inside the car and it detects the ambient temperature outside of the car. So if it needs to run the fan first, it'll switch to the fan first. That's why sometimes when you hit it and it doesn't go high right away, it's because it's removing all that excess heat out of the car, not blasting you with hot air. And then as soon as it does that, after a couple seconds, it'll switch to recirculate mode and go into auto and then blow the cold air in the car. I've been using auto wrong. I don't even know if I've been Most using it. Most of us have. I, I mean, but um, wow. so if you if you are in a car that it doesn't work as well, or even an older car, um, what you want to do is basically run the temperature as cold as it'll go, with and then can, then adjust it with the fan speed. And the reason that is, if you think about it, say it's like seventy four degrees out, and you want your car at seventy two. Well, when it gets to that higher temperature, it actually has to introduce heat back into the system. So if it gets blowing too cold. 
and all of a sudden uh, it gets to the, the desired temperature of the car, it actually has to inject heat into the air conditioning system. So then it's blowing your blower motor for your heater plus your air conditioning motors. And so you're getting a mix of uh, temperatures in there. So if you just want cold air all coming out, turn off the auto, turn it all the way to cold, and then adjust it with the fan speed. So that's old school. But if you have an auto button, every single time for any modern car, auto is the way to go. Just hit auto. It'll sort it out. It knows what to and do. And then you just adjust the temperature, just correct? The temp- oh, if you're comfortable okay, at 72, right. leave yeah. it at 72, and it'll get there in okay. the it's fastest way possible. Huh. And I didn't realize this. It's kind of cool. There is a standard for the temperature of AC that comes out of your car now, and it's 38 degrees Fahrenheit in the U.S. That's the, the, that's the cold temperature of your AC is 38 degrees. Okay. It's actually tuned to that, and it's an ASE standard. I didn't know that at all until I had to look this up. Um, so, yeah, if your car is not blowing well, at 38 you know. degrees, it's uh, actually, it can, well, these days it can be recharged, but it's usually a component. Most of the time when your AC stops blowing hot in a newer car, it's usually something going bad. It used to be like you'd run out of Freon. Then it was R134A. There's another standard now. But anyway, it's not. It's no longer as simple as pulling in and recharging your AC. Typically on a newer car, if it stops blowing cold, um, then that's it. It's usually it's some, some other part, like a leak or something. That said, um, because your, your car blows at 38 degrees, it can only regulate 38 degrees of temperature. Didn't think about that either. So I've had this happen. So I was driving in southern Nevada <laughs> at the, what's the dam down there? The, uh, the Hoover Dam. Ambient temperature was 114 degrees. And I couldn't get it to blow, blow below 80 degrees because the air coming in was too hot and too humid for the air conditioner to compensate for. So even at maximum temperature, it was blowing me with about 80 degrees of heat. <laughs> I mean, you were going the speed limit, so it's... Oh, this is actually just trying to leave the dam. I was trying to go oh, up the okay. hill, there was traffic. Uh, and so every, like, the AC just turned off. It couldn't compensate. This is my C6Z06. Okay. And I had it, the same thing, similar happened in the GTR in Death Valley when it was about 115 degrees. I had was like, okay, I am going to go at like 100 it's been long enough. I was going well over 100 because it was the only thing keeping the car cool. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> it couldn't keep up with the heat. So, gotcha. Yeah. So if you're in crazy extreme heat temperatures, um, they're actually, I didn't realize this either, you can actually buy larger air, condi- uh, air conditioning condensers for some cars. Actually have that seems up. like a lot of work. So if you have desert market cars, think Middle Eastern cars, stuff like that, they come with oversized condensers that we don't have here. They're different part numbers. Australia has different part numbers for air conditioning systems and everything sense. else. And I was like, I had no idea. And that makes perfect sense. But cars that are outfitted for that market typically have much bigger compressors, much bigger condensers, and they're made for that kind of heat. Ours are not. Huh. So Because we just don't see that kind of temperature here unless you're, I mean, even in the deep south, like our hot is not desert Middle not East hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's not Australia hot. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's agreed. Australia hot. Nothing. Yeah. Or Middle Eastern hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. anyway, uh, so yeah, if you've got air conditioning, you got a new car, hit the auto button, put it at the temperature you like, let it sort it out. It knows what it's doing. There's a reason it's not blowing full blast as soon as you get in the car. And that's so that actually will heat, uh, cool better. Yeah. Cool. So there's your Carter Subaru tip of the week. That was a fun one to learn. I had no idea. I really didn't, so. Yeah. And I've been using my auto button a lot wrong. I think everybody does. It's a pretty common thing. Cause like I thought I, said, I had a manual. Well, if you're, if you're our age or probably 30 and older, you grew up with a car where it didn't really work that well. Auto, no. If you think of like a, a 90s car with an auto button, it was like, well, maybe. <laughs> the auto yeah. button was like the maybe button. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this will work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever seen terrible AC controls, look at any 70s through early 90s Porsche. Worst I've ever seen. Like ever. The, the, the dials or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah those okay. weird sliders that yeah. are like somewhat cold. Kind of cold. Maybe cold. Not really cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold enough. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, uh, people have asked us before. So, you know, we, we, we 
actively tell people that they should, if they want to be on the show, they should write us. And yeah. everybody's like, have you ever, has anybody ever done that? I'm like, we've had people on. But this is like the official first, I think, show of somebody that wrote in and was like, I would like to be on the show. Well, and here's the difference is usually when people write us to be on the show, we don't want them on the show. <laughs> because they're like, That's fair. let me tell you how great I am. Yeah. And we're like, okay. Um, and it, it yeah. kind of spoils the show, but... When our guest today wrote in and I read through, I was like, oh, man, yeah, I want, I want, I want yeah, this guy on my show. Come in. Yeah. You should definitely come on the show. <laughs> it's hard not to show excitement. You're we're like, sure, if, you, if you'd like to, it's yeah. fine, whatever. So I would like to welcome to Rain City Supercars, Dr. Greg Birch. Oh, How are you? Thank you. Excellent. Pleasure, pleasure to have you here. Very good. But this it's not totally about me. It's more about my grandfather. Well, it is. But it's, I mean, we're, we're going to touch on your grandfather because that is... That's actually something we've never really talked about on Rain City Supercars is motorhomes uh, <laughs> or, or that genre. Even though we have a lot of fun then. Wait, uh, absolutely. You guys are digging absolutely. in the bottom of the barrel yeah. now. Yeah. No. Motorhomes. But. Even though it's a really cool one. You, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> but we also, I also want to touch on, I mean. There's a lot to touch on here. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're solely keeping the Mini Cooper system alive here in, in the United States. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. I'm, oh, I'm my gosh. I'm reading down, and this is just a short list, a 63 Morris Mini, yeah. a 92 Mini Cooper. We've got, we've got a 2001 BMW 530. We've got a 65 Mini Full Race and 2008 Mini Cooper S, 2003 Mini Cooper S, the 1977 GMC Birch, Birch, Birch Haven, which we're going to get to. That's yeah. mm-hmm, okay. And then we, we've got a BM, another BMW and a Miata, a 2019 Miata. You're not, I mean, <laughs> okay, you must have the most understanding wife in oh, the world. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, that's <laughs> like. She is so amazing. There's a Miata story in there, too. I'm sure. <laughs> Does she drive like you do? Is she a racer? No, okay. no, no. She's not, um, I mean, totally she's just the compassionate. opposite driving, except. Yeah. <laughs> so there were some people here earlier that bought my Laguna Blue Miata. Yeah. And it's an NA Miata, and it, it, uh, um, it was the first real kind of roadster I've ever had. And I got it kind of, I was always Miata curious because I've done a lot of mini track driving and it's the low lightweight sports car that everybody likes. And, you know, they're still cheap. And so I, I picked up this um, Laguna Plumiata from a, a lady in Squim and I caught my wife driving it on one of our nicest roads with the top down yeah. twice in the same day. Ooh. And that's just not her. And Go in the back way to the store, huh? Oh, the, oh we got some roads in the peninsula. Uh-huh. I, I'm yes, from you do. Port Angeles, by yes. the way. Um, and I asked her when we got home. I said, "You know, I saw you in the Miata, not just once, but twice." Yeah. What was that about? And she said, uh, "Well, I kind of." kind of know why you like to just go for a drive now and i'm having an affair oh if, no, no, God, no. <laughs> with your car yeah. if, if, if i knew it just took a miata to unlock that yeah you know you would have bought it a long time ago oh i would have had I would, and you've oh. got a new one now too a 2019 so right? yeah that's what happened where ah. um i traded up um because of paul blake okay um i was firing him questions during his advance <laughs> interview and well, somebody asked him a question. What is the car that is that that's impressed you the most? Um, you know, that's that seemed like the least, but was more than you expected. And he said, "Oh, that ND Miata's, it's really good." Mm-hmm. And it, I, I'd been kind of looking. I'd been dipping my toe a little bit, and then I finally went to um, the Mazda dealership and drove one. And I'm like, "Oh yes, yes, this car is really good. It's not." The, the RF has You a like go-karts for the car. road. I mean, when I'm yeah. talking minis and we're yeah. talking Miatas. And I, I, I like high horsepower too, but that's my yeah. family is in Detroit, 
high horsepower. My dad raced. I was born in Detroit. So yeah, let, let's, since we're on that subject, let's go back a little bit. Where'd you come yeah, from? How'd so you get here? I was, I was born um, in Detroit, north of Detroit. And everyone, I mean, the car culture in Detroit is, is life. It, it's so deep. It, you don't even realize it, but everything, like when I was a kid, they didn't even have sidewalks because he discouraged people from riding bicycles. <laughs> there was no transit systems. Get a car, kid. You had to have a car. Yeah. And, and it, the, the, and they, they still do to some extent, but much less now. Um, you had to have a car to get around. And the first question we went to family outings was, what are you driving? It was never, you know, how are you doing? <laughs> it's like, you know, what are yeah. you driving? So, I don't care how you're doing. What do you got? Yeah. But, but that's, yeah. you know, came from that to my mom and dad wagon trained us out here in 1977. So I moved to Kennewick when I was 10. Okay. Um, but before that, my grandfather, say way to that. Yes. Um, he started working for General Motors in 1936. So he did all kinds of stuff for GM, um, building track vehicles during the war. Uh, he ended up strongly in truck and coach and then... Back in the fifties, they were the car shows were huge. They were really yeah, they know, were events. Like yeah. the city came to exactly. the car show. A- everywhere the car show went, yeah. And, and my grand- that kind of went up to the eighties. I remember going to the yeah. car show with my grandfather. Yeah. It was a big thing. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of sad to see them sort of slipping a little, but they yeah they were humongous in yeah. the day. And my GM had my grandfather. He was really good with uh, electronic circuits, electrical circuits. They're not really electronics back then, but he um could make things go with electricity. And so they had him building these weird displays. And I've, um, I've got some old photos of his shop. And eventually he led the shop that, was, that were building these cutaways, mostly for truck and coach, like the Toro diesel cutaway. And some of them were like works of art, just these really elaborate things where the motor would, the engine would spin and the pistons would work. And you could kind of see the whole thing going if you walked around this thing it was all done with basic electrical components servo motors and switches and all that stuff so that's what he did for a long time and then in 1969 and and the reason i know this is that my cousin doug sent me all these videos of my grandfather and after he retired from gm um he and my grandmother had a course at gmc motorhome and they would go from event to event, which are GMC conventions, motorhome conventions that still happen to this day. And he would give talks and he, the videos of him giving these talks are incredible. He's just got this deep, deep knowledge of every aspect of the coach from, you know, steel hardness to, uh, I'll back up a little bit more. The GMC motorhome is a Tornado based uh, 23 and 26 foot front wheel drive motorhome. They were in production from 72 to 78. Um, there's the classic. We, we, so, and I say this because there's literally a model sitting in front of us that yeah. you bought. But it is this classic looking. Well, I mean, you can see where they got the Wiener Mobile from it, but <laughs> it's. It's it's. I wish they made them still like this because you, it was it was the days where it looked like it was a van that they just was bigger and got dualies on the back and stretched and, and stretched and, and stretched. And yeah. they had this thing. They have a window in the back where you and you know there, it was on the be- and there was a bed in the back and there were kids jumping up and down the bed at seventy miles an hour going down there, <laughs> face on the window. Lots of different variables. Absolutely, there. yeah. <laughs> all kinds of you know 
in our construction. So and so. And, I, and I don't want to go past a little fact here. Your grandfather uh, retired from 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 GMC uh, in 1974. Yeah, almost did 40 years with that. I mean, you talk about a company yeah. man, which doesn't exist today. Yep, no, which is incredible. I mean, there, we have the plaque here, which is really cool. By the he way, thank you for plaque. bringing that. Yeah, he got the gold watch. Yeah, he uh, was was very respected. Yeah. Um, so when when they tapped him on the shoulder in 1969 to be part of the GMC Motorhome concept, and it was still a concept at that point. It, it you know, it was on the drawing board, and they said, well, maybe we can make this. And they started testing in 69, 70, probably 71. They said, we're going to do it. And then they asked my grandfather, Alex Birch, to be the production engineer, which meant he was sort of like the uh, stage manager. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, the engineers would feed him stuff, and he would have to make it happen. He had to get the the uh, the factory going and, and get, get that all ready. And... These are all from the videos that my cousin gave me, and I've, I've watched them and, and pulled bits and pieces. So basically, figuring out the most logical way to put it together? Exactly. Okay. So he was in charge of making it happen. People would throw in stuff, and he'd say, this is reality. And at one point, in one of his videos, he said, because the engineers always want to bring things out and test them. We've got to test it again. We've got to make sure it works, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you've got to build something. You know, <laughs> at one point in time, you got to do it. And, but this is in the seventies. There were no computers back then, you know, CAD, no, I mean, this is all raw and, and, you know, from, from scratch. So he, uh, became the production engineer and in 1972, it launched at the Transpo Expo. He was also, because he was the production engineer, the test driver. So <laughs> when they did, he wasn't the only test driver, but he did a lot of test driving. Well, um, to be fair, he did tell the engineers, you got to test it. Yeah. So. Uh, well, he was. You got to build it. They wanted yeah. to test everything. I, I'm yeah, they wanted to say, test you got to build it. Which, well, but I mean, now now you got to wheels to the road. Here. Exactly. The engineer okay. said, "Take this thing that you've built." Yeah. And good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> if you you know if it goes bad, well, you're on the hook because you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. So there's a lot of way to you can but you can run to the back. <laughs> he would, I, I, and when I was a kid, at because because when he was doing this, it was top secret. It was all. Nobody talked about the motorhome project. He disappeared in the 69, 70, 71. When it launched in 72, we saw him again at Thanksgiving and Easter and Christmas and all that. Um, you can't exactly drive it around with camo. Like, what the heck yeah, is no that? Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah. The, we're going to have to take our first break. I want to continue that story. But we ha- vehicle. The ur- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Grandpa's got a tank. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be right back. We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. We were just talking about uh, secret motorhomes, which is probably not an easy thing to do with a 23 (laughs) to 26 foot vehicle. So yeah, in uh, in the early seventies, nineteen seventy-two. Did they really like like live in a basement and work? Is it, I mean, because we we get the you get these ideas like everybody talks about like when the Corvette and the GT the Ford GT like the the fact that it was designed in a basement nobody ever saw it. Is that how it went? Like how how is my my grandfather would stay up till early hours one when they had a, a problem at the shop that he had to solve. He'd be there all night working on it to try and figure out. And he had this little tinkers thing in his basement that I was not allowed to touch anything in. Like he knew where everything was. And when he went in there and the door shut, that's it. Grandpa's figuring something out. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, back in the day when before computers and stuff, you, you had to have people like that that would just dig in and figure it out. And because the, so back to the, the GMC motorhome, it's front wheel drive. It's, um, there's four wheels in the rear and there's no through axles. So they're, they're on, they're called bogies. And they, um, if you can think of, think of a trailing arm suspension, mm-hmm. it's like that, a rear and a front on the back. And then in the middle, there's an airbag. So you can level the GMC motorhome um, with the airbag left and right or up and down, you know, from the back. And they're, they're, um, there's like when you're parked or when you're, for when you're driving? Everything. Okay. So, so there's an there's automatic a, air ride, automatic exactly. leveling. There's an auto button, yet. and there's some levelers there. An auto button. The, there is an auto button. Yeah. That's yeah. the air conditioning yeah. and the airbag. Yeah, oh, I Cadillac get it. used that system yeah, okay, too, yeah. I think, didn't No they? auto button in 1977 on the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. You were miserable. It would be a slider then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So probably a swamp cooler because, out the window. Yeah. <laughs> especially trying to heat up, you know, the square footage of a 23-foot motorhome. It was really hard. Yeah. But... The, they, so they had air ride and they rode really, really well. And that was one of their selling points is that the GMC motorhome rides better than anything out there and handles really well too. My grandfather would tell a story um, at, at holidays. He didn't drink, so I know it wasn't. That. And he would say, <laughs> you can take a GMC motorhome lock to lock at 45 miles an hour and it won't roll. And I'm like, and oh, he, he would just okay. tell it over and over again and he would forget about it and, you know, tell the same story again. And <laughs> so my wife and I had, I have a, um, a GMC Birchhaven and Coachman made this Birchhaven, kind of named after my father. My dad tells this story. The 23 foot coach is the short one, the 26 foot is the long one. My grandfather was pretty short, and I guess the guy said, Hey, Al, they named the short one after you. <laughs> um, but I looked 10 Funny years ago. Funny unless you're Al. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked 10 years ago to find a, uh, a GMC Birchhaven with one of my grandfather's screen doors on it. After he retired, he, um, he was always, it bugged him that. They sold the motorhome without a screen door because they were curved sides. Um, they built the GMC motorhome like an airplane. It's got uh, aluminum ribs with a bonded aluminum skin. Oh, okay. So yeah, kind of like an Airstream. Then. Yeah, yeah. They don't rust, which is why a lot of guys from Boeing around here, I'm in the Cascaders Motorhome Club, a lot of guys like them because they're, it's like an airplane. So, you know, this is great. Airplane going on the road. Um, so I, found, I finally found a, a Birch Haven with one of my grandpa's screen doors on it. And this nice lady down in Venice. Did he design it after he left GMC? You said uh, you're yeah, okay. yeah. After he retired, he uh, started. He had these jigs in his basement, and he would, you know, like fab up these screen doors, and and then he would go to conventions. He and my grandmother would go to motorhome conventions. He would install them, and he. I'm sure he lost money on them. He he did it, you know, for for the love of it. No, but he was pick, he was fixing something that that, that got past him or, or didn't oh, I, get approval or something. I have right? the patent documents. Okay, like I have all the, the wow. my my grandpa's papers when he patented the screen door. And people like them today still. They'll say, yeah, I got a birch door. And <laughs> that's so cool. Cool. That, that's kind of <laughs> neat. But um, I was in my motorhome, and we were going to Randall camping. And I had been racing for a while by then. I'm like probably six, seven years in. And we were just kind of just motoring along, you know, just kind of droning how you just kind of tune out. And there's, it's a two-lane highway up there to Randall. And this lady, I'll never forget it. There, were, there was two women in a car, in a sedan, and there were kids in the back seat. And she laid on the brakes right in front of me. And I had to bend maybe a car length and a half behind her at 55 miles an hour. And that's a 10,000 pound vehicle yeah. back there. And I, it, it was just this, this odd reaction. Just, I mean, I remember like just nailing the brakes as absolutely hard as I could. No ABS. Yeah. Right. I did upgrade the brakes on our, our motor home to, they call it a one ton 
um, conversion where you take a modern GMC four-wheel drive front drive system, the brakes and the, and the hubs and that, and you convert them. So I had that at least. And I remember the motorhome, all the weight shifted to the front wheels and all the, like, the fridge opened and there's like beers and stuff flying all over the coach <laughs> and it's just all rolling towards me and the thing lifted like it felt like the back wheels lifted up and then finally like at the threshold um i was able to let go of the brakes and just go lock to the right at probably 47 miles an hour and that thing just listed and like a mini does um it wants to lift the back wheel this yeah. i could feel this thing twist and sort of lift up the back and then you know lock to the right at 47 miles an hour and finally you know drove past this on the shoulder past this lady at you know 47 miles an hour and, and the first thing in my head was like he's right oh my god my grandfather's <laughs> a driver he's <laughs> right he was yeah. like danny devito in a tracksuit yeah. he he could drive this thing and he had he pre, he'd interesting done interesting visual on the oh, i gotta give penguin from oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean he had put that thing through on the skid pad more than i could ever imagine i'm they tried to roll it and they couldn't and um, I'm sure he did all the braking. You know, one of the things he, um, after his, once the thing was starting to be produced, he moved kind of into sales because he knew everything about the coach. So they would have him go all over and do sales things. And he started um, what was the very first GMC Motorhome Club, which is the Great Lakers of Michigan. And I have his pin. Um, that is so maybe cool. the first Great Lakers pin in the world, oh, or the first wow. GMC motorhome pin in the world. And I think that was part of sales. I, I don't know if GM commissioned him to do that, but there are motorhome clubs all over the world now. Um, I'm in the Cascaders here locally, but there are clubs uh, down south, uh, huge in California, yeah. um, all over the Midwest. They're still kind of a cult vehicle. Um, people love them. When they launched in 72, it was... The closest thing I can think of is a C8 vet now. It was the oddest. I mean, people freaked out. Well, he, there weren't, there weren't, I mean, what was on the market then? Winnebago. Anything? Yeah, Winnebago, square, boxy. That's it, yeah, rolling box. So I have a, um, because my grandpa was a test driver, I have a memo that he had to write to GMC. Um, just right after production, they said, we've never driven this vehicle cross country. So we need somebody to take this thing and, and test it. Road trip. Yep. Road trip. <laughs> yeah. And so he and my grandmother got to take coach number five off the line and, and do the very first we've road trip. We've never driven this. In uh, a GMC. Yeah. We've designed yeah. this thing to go <laughs> yeah. cross country. Go get and it. And yeah. we've never done it. Yeah. So What's the range? <laughs> not that much. No. Twin 25s with 50 gallons on a 455 Oldsmobile sucking 10, 10 miles a gallon. So did he, I'm assuming that the one he, him and your grandmother had was pretty special in the fact that it had some things. It was that, rough. Was it? Oh, he, he wrote that in the memo. He said, you know, there's bound to be issues because this is number five. Well, they, they usually destroy them, right? So the first four were probably crushed, Oh, this destroyed. wasn't like the first five off the line. This is like demo this is five. number five. Oh, okay, okay. I, th- I, I, was, I was like, what happened to one through four? Those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. I think they started selling them at like 13. Okay. Um, there's a, a historian in the GMC Motorhome Circles, and um, Bill Bryan, he's really good with it. Um, and he knows all the early history of the front ones. And I think uh, like the first four were destroyed. And my grandpa and my grandmother, um, Alex and B, got number five, and they got to be rock stars. They got to take, I mean, if you can imagine. Nobody's ever seen that. If you can imagine, yeah. yeah taking the, taking a, being the first person to take a C8 vet out cross country, what would that be like? Yeah. And, and that's where they were. And he wrote that there were people that were like leaning out the windows, taking pictures of this motorhome going down the road. And he had all the sales stuff. The nice, another nice thing they had was um, dealer support. So they could roll into any dealer and say, uh, it's broke. Let's, let's fix it. Yeah. Like, 
And they'd go, okay, yes, let's yeah. fix it. Um, you know, this is from the factory. And it was a big deal. So they went from Detroit to Los Banos, which at the time, I tell people Los Banos, and they're like, Los Banos? There's nothing in Los Banos. But Where's it, Los Banos? It's down by um, Sacramento. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, south of that. And uh, it was the site of the National Camper Hiker Convention that year. And seventy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Three, when they left. So that must have been pretty uh, interesting sign seeing that show up. Oh gosh! Yeah. So there, you know, as my grandpa writes this memo, they come from Detroit, and it really starts. He loved the West, you know, being living most of his life in Detroit, Pennsylvania, then Detroit, but pretty much Detroit his whole life. They just like the West was John Wayne and adventure, and and they never, you know, got there. And so there, he writes the memo, you know, Kansas. Omaha, now we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these, they the real drive West. through states, yeah. but he didn't really start writing details until it broke somewhere outside of Omaha or something like that. And, uh, um, and it did break a lot. I mean, I, um, I, this memo is going to be posted. I mean, or I can, I can give people links to it so they can read through it. <laughs> yeah. I'll post to. it in the, in the notes. Yeah. And it's, it's really, and they had an, an amazing adventure with a few breaks and, Lots of spectacular things till they got to Los Banos. And then when they got to Los Banos um, during the convention, um, there were other car companies there. So Chrysler had a booth. They had a commercial space. And they were in the camping space because they had a camper. So um, my grandpa actually trolled Chrysler. So he would, every day, he would drive the motor home through the commercial space, past the Chrysler booth, and like the Pied Piper, drag a bunch of people over the camping <laughs> area. And Come he with details me. this in the memo. Yeah. And I can't, I can't believe, I mean, people must have just freaked out. To this day, like I'll pull my coach in, and somebody will stop me and go like, I saw one of those when I was a kid and I've always wanted one. Oh, I'd come look at it. And it was that. I love when I see him. You know, it's just like to see a vet now, that angst, that like, oh my gosh, this is like the peak of vehicular travel right now. And it was designed to be this uber luxury vehicle you could see the country in. And it is. Um, what did it cost in 1972? Oh, 20, I think. Okay. By that the time. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, it was. Then, yeah. in the Especially 70s. coming off the GMC line. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's so 100 plus today. What killed them eventually was the gas crunch. Yeah, I was going to say gas crisis. Was, I knew that. And that was the only piece of information I remember yeah. reading about these. Um, and, and, they, and they were up to 40s and 50s by then. So mm-hmm. they, they got, you know more and more expensive and then you know fuel just got more and more expensive and then they ended up there, there are there are rumors about how, there you know what how many how out, many but. how many did that were built how many were on the road oh in one of the videos my grandpa yeah. actually goes through how like year to year how many they were built but um i know there's still over eight thousand on the road today okay and i think something like fourteen thousand total but that, that's oh. pretty good i mean when you think about that they're still on the road i mean yeah, that's it. Again, it's a cult following. They're they're kind of all over the world. I'm on the Facebook um, so, site yeah. or uh, Facebook the group, the Facebook club group. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Group, the, yeah. There's a European GMC Motorhome group, and they're all you know. Oh, they made it. They, they oh, went. Yeah. They went across the pond. Okay, yeah, Australia. Um, oh, wow. Europe. You know, there's GMC Motorhomes. I can everywhere. see Australia. Europe seems pretty tight for any one of those. Yeah. Well, they're. They are driving down a back road in England. Yeah, <laughs> the whole road. <laughs> Mailboxes <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you, when when your grandfather retired, did he buy one of these? Or um, General Motors gave them three that I know. Oh, okay. I mean, so that's nice. GM gave him like mid production. They gave him one, and they, I mean, gave him like yeah. here, Alex. This yeah. is your motorhome. And then um, when I was little, they would take us camping, me and my cousins, and they'd take us in the motorhome and. 
It always smelled new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fancy. They gave them, so they were all, initially they were named after um, National Park. So there's a Sequoia and, you know, Yosemite and, and there are all kinds of. These are the packages that you could buy? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and eventually they, so GMC is still the only major of the three car companies that have made an, an RV like this. They, they all have sold frames and, and chassis. Yeah. But this was in-house General Motors. Um, and, and they haven't done it since. So they started out as coaches with interiors, and, and the interior ended up being too hard to put in. So eventually they ended up selling their called trans modes, and they were tubes. And they were sold to outfits like Coachman, and that's what the Birchhaven is. It's a Birchhaven by Coachman. And oh, they would okay. put their own interiors in. So there's a bunch of later models after... 74, probably 74 to 78, where they were, you know, outfitted by these, these other people, other, yeah. other places and all kinds of different configurations. Um, I'm, su- I'm surprised Pininfarina didn't get into that. That would be amazing. <laughs> right. Hey, that Fer- Ferrari, Ferrari interior. So yeah. Ferrari did have that transporter. That's true. I have it was seen. True. It's yeah. a race transporter, but they Incredible did. Incredible GMC. People will throw, you know, $100,000 into their GMC motorhome and it'll come out like beautiful. I, when you think about it, though, like I would I, absolutely. Yeah, I would do that in a because it, it's not. It, it, it's you're you're getting two things here. You're not just getting a motorhome. That's one thing. You, you get the new ones now, and they're almost throwaway. Even the really nice ones. Yes. Until you spend literally seven figures, you're getting basically a throwaway vehicle. They're not built mm-hmm. to last. The interiors. If you've ever seen one of those they things hit, apart. but yeah, they will follow apart. If you've ever seen one that's been hit in an accident, you'll see how just garbage they're made. Something like that. You're buying a collector's item a classic car, and a motorhome all in one. And it's the investment you put into it is not, it's not a vehicle you put a bunch of money into and then go flip. No. It's like, no, this is something you hold on to and everybody's just like, this is always cool. I've always, <laughs> want, I've always wanted uh, an Airstream and I, I see this as, as an Airstream that you yeah. don't need a truck to it's pull exactly what I'm, It's the <laughs> yeah. same category for me. Yeah. It's like, this is one of those this forever classic things. Yeah. So they've become like super popular with the Rain City RVs. 20, 30 year old crowd. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's because they're living in them. In the back of their parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's exactly. different. Yeah. That, that happens. Yeah. Um, Grandpa's got property in the Ozarks. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a kid in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Sure there is. Um, but the original colors, right? It's, this is 70s. So they were like lime green, yellow, and burnt orange. Yeah. And that's just no. That's just horrible. I love like it. Like those color schemes. But to but see you know them, there was crushed, there's crushed something in that same color oh, inside. So. Totally. <laughs> I, in, in my coach was originally um, the lime green yellow version. Okay. And there is still to this day shag carpeting that is lime green and yellow and tucked in little places that I can't get to in my motorhome. It, it drives me nuts. Man, if I had the money, I'd resto mod one of those so quick. It's, uh, to you think see about the them, engine you could put, yeah. yeah. To see them done, you know, restored to original, it's not bad with the lime green and yellow and all that, you know. 70s, oh, yeah, I'd diesel colors. swap that thing. Yeah. But it's just it's just not me. I, I took my coach and I thought, okay, I would do whatever my grandfather would do nowadays. So I've, you know, swapped to LED lights. Yeah. Um, I've done the one-ton front-end swap. I've done... Uh, the fuel system, you know, all, they didn't have ethanol back then. And we've got two 25-gallon tanks, and ethanol just destroys those yep. fuel lines. I could go on a rant for, oh, <laughs> it makes me so angry. Um, but I hate ethanol. Anyway, um, I, I got those lines swapped, at least to make it safe so I could take my family out and yeah. we wouldn't, you know, explode or break down or explode. <laughs> that is the goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Less exploding so families. Let me, let me yeah. kind of finish on the motorhome with yeah. this uh, yeah. the little model back here. So when my grandfather retired in 74, 
there were uh, awards made. There were 10 of them. And they were given to people that had a significant influence in the GMC Motorhome Project. And what they are, um, this little orange model of a GMC Motorhome back here. It's a Which one-off. we will have a photo of in the... Good. Yeah. It's, a, it's a one-off fiberglass model that was used to determine the, the coefficient of drag um, for the GMC oh, Motorhome. They use these in the wind tunnels, the yes. miniature wind tunnels. Exactly. So it's... Um, when I was a kid... I would ask my grandpa if I could play with it, <laughs> with my G.I. Joe's and stuff. And he would always like, no, don't no, touch no, that. No, yeah. no, don't no. touch that. Um, Literally, there's lots that of things you can play lives, with, but you can't lives. do this. Yeah. And it's got, it's one-off. It's got wooden wheels. And there are subtle differences between them. Like this one has a different light configuration on top and, and three windows in the side. And so they modify them a little bit. And they, it was the Guggenheim wind tunnel um, down at uh, Caltech that they ran them in. And... Long story short, my wife and I want to take our coach and retrace my grandfather's trip. So after that uh, incident of, yes. of the, on the road, and um, my grandfather had three of these old Polaroid photos. And when I, we went back to see him once, and I took my little Casio digital instrumatic, and I was snapping pictures in his photo album so I could have photos of his photos. And they were just, you know, three... Instamatics of an orange motorhome. And I thought, ah, no big deal. Well, after my gran- grandma grandpa passed away, my uncle gave me these, you know, just envelopes of photos and stuff. Because I was the only, I'm still the only Birch that has a GMC motorhome. I got lots of cousins and I talked to them and say, buy a coach, let's go, you know, riding. And um, I finally found these pictures and I, you know, was sorting them and I stacked them in one side. And then as I was putting them away, I took one, I turned it over and it said, GMC testing, Sequoia 1973. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I have the photo, I have the memo, I have a GMC Birchhaven. Like, we got to go on this. this yeah. <laughs> we yeah. got to go. So this year, so last year we had planned to go on the trip. My daughter decided to get married. <laughs> so, way to ruin the trip. How dare her happiness gets in the way of this. Thanks, yeah. Jenna. Tell you, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. <laughs> so, so this year it was planned and on, like, you know, I had it. Or so you thought. I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> and we Thanks, were gonna, COVID. We were going to end up <laughs> yeah. in South Dakota at the GMC Motorhome National Convention. And I was going to, you know, talk about, uh, I got video of my grandfather and the motorhomes and production and all that good stuff. And, and we're going to stop at the same sites where the motorhome broke and where they went where the, when they were testing on that very first cross-country trip. And they canceled it. And then all the other conventions you're going to go to, like the... Uh, 49-inch convention in the you know, Western states and all that, they were all canceled. Well, you know, most of the gyms owner homes are owners are older, so yeah. I kind of get it. Yeah, but know. that's been just, just frustrating. Now we've got to postpone it till next year, which we're still going to do. I mean, if, if you ever want to do a follow-up, I'll yeah, yeah. Oh, come absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll yeah, talk about, about the, you know, GMC motorhome cross-country trip. Uh, that's a great road trip. Redo. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, so I mean, so I've got to ask because you know I was explaining to you like with, with the Triumph with my grandfather's. Yeah. What happened to your grandfather's motorhomes? Where? Did oh, I wish I knew. Oh, okay. So I remember <laughs> the last um, okay. motorhome they were he was given was a Palm Beach, and even though I was young then, like probably ten years old, um, I remember it was perfect. Like the shop spared no expense. Yeah. Everything there was not a loose nut, bolt. Everything was trimmed. No hangs everywhere. And it was gorgeous. It was a green Palm Beach. Again, no yellow, not that offensive. So <laughs> yellow and green, purple yeah. combination, whatever they did. But this was a really classy, um, beautiful Palm Beach in 26 foot. And uh, 
I wish I could find it. It's probably in Michigan. Um, there is a registry, so you know people can kind of follow them and know where the coaches go. Um, What's the life of yours been like? Where, like, where'd you find it? Where'd it come from? So Venice Beach, uh, the lady I bought it from was fantastic. She was the original owner. Okay, oh, cool. So I'm, I'm the second owner, and she used it. She had a real estate company um, in California and did it for sales and, you know, uh, drove it all over California. It's it's set for heat, so it has a larger air conditioning condenser. Hey, there we it go. Look it does have a oil cooler and a transmission cooler and a larger radiator, so it doesn't overheat like they usually do. We know somebody else who has two of these. We do? Yep. Oh, really? uh, what's her name in California with the Ferrari? Do you know? Oh, we do. They tow the trailer with their GMC they motorhome. Do. Sweet, another person with a race yeah, car. Yeah, she. These they, these two are the, these these lovely. They, they oh, call I themselves need, old birds. I need to talk to them. But they they have they have one of these and they they tow yeah. they tow around their Ferrari their remake or their redone Ferrari Dinos. Ooh, and they go far. to the track and they race them. And why can I not remember the I name? Know. I mean, <laughs> I, I can look it up. And they I, are I some of the best. Uh, yeah. But they're, but they're the type up. of ladies that that it's full. It, oh, they're hers awesome. is yellow. Hers is like this yeah. yellow. But, I mean, they, they drive around their Dino with the top off, and if they're in the motorhome, they've always got their big sun hats on and their sunglasses. <laughs> These women know how to That's enjoy fantastic. life. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they God. drive their cars. They have their, oh. I mean, they, they have a race Peg? team as well. No, but um, What is her name? Peg? Yeah. Katrina could tell me. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll think of it during so the break. So talk about enjoying life. Yeah. I, I remember my grandfather, um, they, they would – GM would tell the executives, okay, we got to outfit this thing. Um, go, go ask your spouses, you know, what they like in their living room. So stock, my motorhome came with a blender. <laughs> <laughs> was it like built into the that counter? Was OE, built into the counter. Yeah, so like, like it was like, and you, and you stick totally. it. Yeah, I, I've seen that before. Like basically, it, instead of it sitting above, it would be, you, there'd be a little circle on the, it's um, recessed, and, yeah. You yeah. Just, and you just take the cup and put it in there. Like, yep. I was going to say like, you know, China or something, but blender that's, baby. See? But that's, when you think about it, you go, that's a genius idea. That, <laughs> I say that because I just, and it's now in Dan's garage, I have a gas-powered blender that, that I take places. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to go but, yeah. sit at the end of the dock one day and yep. make gas-powered blender margaritas, yeah. and I'm going to gr- roll the grill out to the end of the dock and cook Costco hot dogs just oh, on a brilliant. hot sunny day and you hang know. out, and we're going to be oh, the like neighborhood today. favorite. It yeah. sounds like we have a, it, it sounds like a small two-stroke, but <laughs> yeah. it's fun. So we just got to yeah. make our sign like we're doing a high school car wash. Uh-huh. Nothing inappropriate, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some, some of them weird things. Some of them had central vacuum. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. so but when you cool. think about it, I mean, that's it. So there was some portable vacuum. Dan and I, then. they were huge. <laughs> right. When Dan and I, when we work with Concorso, and we have a fashion show during Concorso because yeah. it makes it easier for the guys that come to, because the ladies can come and come to the fashion show. But with that, if you're if you're gonna if you're forcing your wife or trying to convince your wife to go around, you're like, look. You have central vacuum of a blender. It's it's home. <laughs> it's a you can feel like home. well, but I'm saying yeah. like yeah. oven, you refrigerator, made her feel, yeah, air exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the power those things must use. I'm thinking the inefficiencies oh. of appliances back in the day. Mm-hmm. The lights dim. Yeah, I was gonna say this. Probably <laughs> that compressor like, hits. Okay. The air conditioner on it goes. Boom. A bank of 500 pounds of deep cycles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. Wow. Because yeah. yeah, you don't have the energy efficient stuff we do now. Brushless no, motors and everything. People convert, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly converting my coach. Like, I want to fuel inject it. Um, Holly and Edelbrock and yeah. um, Fast make uh, fuel injection systems that'll fit on the old 455. Um, I, was I really s- want to do that. I was going to say, a ton of the mechanical parts probably cross over. I mean, you're going to have the specialized oh, yeah. equipment for fuel yeah, tanks yeah. and things like that, but pumps, brakes, drive oh, system, that's all got to cross over. Guys, they're ex-aero guys that know way more than me about these things. <laughs> I mean, they, they've dug so deep into them. Um, and, and they just, over the years, I mean, it's been so long that they've just refined and, like, the one-ton swap, 
better, uh, they've got torsion bar suspension, so better torsion bars. Um, uh, Todd Sullivan, there's a guy who runs Seattle Collision. He had a GMC motorhome and came up with uh, the old airbags in the back were old Firestones. Mm-hmm. And they were designed to hold up buildings in case of a nuclear attack. So yeah. they, you know, used them, they threw them on the GMC motorhome and they work. Um, you can't get them anymore. They're like rotted and, you know, and, and they also, my grandfather found this out in that memo, if you inflate them, they're skinny and long. And if you inflate them too much, they hot dog, they collapse, and the suspension just comes down. Oh, cool. So Todd Sullivan came up with this idea of, of making these plates to use a modern truck bag that's got a, a more volume. Yeah. And that's what I have on my coach, and it rides better, and um, it, it, it rises up and down better. It's easier to level and stuff like that. Wow. Um, so, you know, little upgrades like that have been done everything over the years has been done have you kept the um, interior pretty stock or? well like she had it when i bought it she, she had my motorhome had been painted and the interior had been you know changed already so it didn't i didn't feel bad you know not keeping it stock sure yeah um i i'm, I'm still gonna upgrade it i want i kind of i would love 20 miles to a gallon like i've even thought of a diesel swap which has been done but it's hard because of the transmission and the way it the way it's yeah, because it's front wheel drive. Yeah, so yeah, everything's kind of back. He was explaining it in the fact that it's it's in line, but the transmission's it's off a, to the side. It it's comes. It's a turbo hydro four twenty five, which is really weird transmission. I was going to say it. Yeah, yeah. It 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 comes off the back of the engine, and then it does a one eighty to the front via a big chain. And as, as far as I know, those chains don't exist anymore. So that's kind of the limiting factor right now. It, of is it's the transmission. Yeah, you probably have to swap to a gear reduction motors. or something. Mm-hmm. A gear drive system. I mean, yeah. And and it goes to the uh, differential. Uh-huh. forward, and then there's two jack shafts that come. One goes under the oil pan by, you know, <laughs> really, like, microns. Just of a enough. Distance. Just enough. Yeah. <laughs> there's a guy in Squim, actually, that um, built a GMC motorhome to run a land speed record, and they swapped <laughs> it. They they threw in a... F- uh, and Why I, does that not surprise me? Yeah, I, no, right? I think yeah. the current land speed record is held by GMC motorhome, but um, there's a guy in California, I think, that built it. It's not the one that Jim built in Squim. Um, that one went really fast, but I mean, over well over 100. I think you push it off a cliff, it'll do at least 80. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 120 <laughs> but, and one of those is crazy. Um, the, swaps on them are very, very difficult because sure. of the transmission and the, and then just limited clearance. You can you can do it, but it, between the two front seats, it builds this big hump, and it's nice to have it flat. Yeah, there. that's a Northrop Fab problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yep. you need something really specialized. I know a guy. So, <laughs> so mine is the tow rig for my race car. So I've got a well, yeah. 65 Mini. Which race car? And that was my dream. <laughs> yeah. Was the, it doesn't know, count when you're towing a Mini. That's like having a strong headwind. A mini. <laughs> how, yeah. did you, how did you get into racing? I, I, I love oh this. Boy. Let's talk about you a little more. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Doctor. Because, <laughs> yeah. So when I was 10, uh, a lot of things happened when I was 10. But my dad was, um, he worked in graphics, and he was a really good, good friends with a guy named Dan Hill. And Dan raced a Cooper S. And there's a little track in Michigan called Waterford Hills. And I was a Cub Scout. We were selling programs at the racetrack for, you know, fundraiser. And Dan won overall in his mini that day. And he goes over to my dad and he says, you guys want to take the victory lap? And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> so we pile in the race car, you know, one race seat, no seats. It's gutted, right? Yeah. Roll cage. Different time. <laughs> in fact, Dan's, he it didn't even have a race seat. It was just like a bucket. Yeah, because that's what you did, right? And my dad was kneeling on the floor pan in the passenger side, and I was hanging on the roll bar in the back. And you know, there were friends kind of kidding around. Dan, I th- he probably hit turn one at Waterford at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and I remember the flag my dad was holding going, just snapping back and just going, bzzz, 
yeah. just buzzing. <laughs> and my face is slammed against the window. <laughs> and I'm like loving this. Grinning so from the oh God. <laughs> this car's I could drive it because it was small enough for me to drive, right? Yeah. And I and so ever since then I was ten. I wanted so um I got my first classic mini in 2011. Um, it's it was a green SPI, um, and in 2008 I joined the mini club, the Samoa Club, which is still super strong in Seattle. And in 2008, um, I really, really wanted to get on the racetrack. Uh, wait, no, this was 2011 because the Ridge had just opened up. Oh, okay, and I. Eight years. So um, I wanted to get in the racetrack really badly. And one of the guys in the club said, go talk to Aaron down there. He's uh, building the race car. And Aaron, I, I went and talked to Aaron and said, I, I kind of want to, you know, get my car on the track and start racing. And he goes, well, we're building this Lemons car. And I went, Lamont? Like, nope. you going to race Lamont? Nope. And he goes, no, uh, Lemons. Yep. And I went, what, what is Lemons? And so he, you know, threw, out, threw it out. We're building this uh, classic mini um, because... You That's know, a our, perfect lemons car. Our team, our team, we have a Can-Am team, Silver Sleeves Racing, and half of it's in Canada and half of it's here in Seattle. And in Canada, the insurance rules are a little different. And once you wreck a car, it doesn't go on the street again. You can restore it, but you're never going to drive it. Yeah. It won't be licensed, all that. So you can find cheap cars in, in a wrecking yard in Canada. So Sean, our team captain, found this Mini in the wrecking yard and built it into a race car. What year? Oh, gosh. I think it's uh, 70, 80, 90, 92. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Race well, car, this little right? Yeah, 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 okay. So he, uh, in the first year, it was a, it looked like a mini. It was mini livery. And, you know, the goal was to win an IOE, the index of FOMC, which is the, apparently the highest. Yeah, you can get first place in lemons, but the IOE is above first place. Mm -hmm. It is, you brought the worst piece of junk and did the most laps with it at the race. Um, and that's what we were chasing. We were chasing an IOE. And of course they put us in class C cause we're, you know, it's a mini and they're, we're slow. Um, even though it handles great, we're still really slow. Um, and we chased that IOE for eight years <laughs> <laughs> because every time, have a goal. every time we would bring a car, um, I, you know, well, okay, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, Aaron goes, uh, we kind of have all the drivers we need, but you could be support. And I'm like, okay, I'll be support. Uh, I'll do anything. I just want to. You know, be involved. Put I just me want to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. jumped in with both feet. And the first race, I showed up at the Ridge with my motorhome, all my tools, and my camera. Because I like taking pictures, too. And um, they looked at it, and they went, holy cow. So to this day, my nickname is Magic Bus. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have that can a, go either way. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's nickname in the car, and I'm, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm Magic Bus. Yeah, okay. And after that, they're like, do you want to drive? I'm like, yes. Yes, yes I want to drive. <laughs> so that led to, um, you know, this. our, our team is, I, I couldn't have fallen into a better team. It's, it's just that team that, you know, our goal isn't really winning. That's kind of secondary. It's just keeping the car on the track, working together, working through problems. Nobody yells at each other. If the car breaks and rolls into the pits, people are on it and, and getting things fixed. And there's no, you know, the, the tolerance of mistakes is incredible because I've, I've been at the track where people are like throwing wrenches and yelling and, and I'm just sitting back going, ah, I love my team. <laughs> we just, we go out, we have a blast. Lemons is about having fun. I mean, it, it we, is. We, have a, we, have, we know some other people that have cars, but, and I why think you aren't get that. you guys driving Lemons? 
Well, well, I drove lemons in my life. But <laughs> well, honestly, it actually overlaps with a lot of the stuff we do. So we do the Seamont Rally okay. down there, and it actually happens at the exact same time every year. Uh-huh. And so we between building up to even do the rally and then trying to fit that in at the same time, it just... It, someday. I mean, and I, I have been down to, in, during Monterey, we've been, well, I don't think we both went, but uh, the Concourse de Le Mans, Le, Concourse de Lemons, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's fun, because a lot of those that, cars yeah. come, show up there, too. But We've yeah. passed the Lemons on our route. Yeah, Boreog has it. I mean, they've got a Lemons team, but they're, like, they've got a BMW with, like, a Coyote engine and, like... Right. They, <laughs> oh, you know. the weird stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the guy showed up with this uh, 70s Corvette Stingray. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the kind of swoopy one. With a straight six BMW motor in it, well, yeah, like three point five straight six. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the photos it, of that car. It's yeah. gorgeous, and I the but first it's year a, it's showed just up about broke. scooting around the rules, right? Like, and I mean, then, it's, oh, there's no rules. But I'm but there, there there's are penalties for I mean for paying too much, and there's oh, I mean I've seen yeah. people in pits doing being push ups and and being duct taped to their car, and oh, we've had all those. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, the, no, the judges are amazing. They mm. will see a car. And just out of pure experience, they will know exactly how that car is going to run. And sometimes they'll say, you know, a guy will show up with a Corvette with a straight six um, BMW. should be super fast, right? They'll say, no penalties. You're good. <laughs> and they're like, what? You know, no way. I mean, this we're going to dominate, right? No, they break like one day, you know, like seven hours in. They're, good luck. They're, yeah. you know, <laughs> busted. And they knew. I, they you just, took two cars that they're break really and you put good. them together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so they're, they're fantastic like that. And, and they do make it a fun, fun race. And it's still, um, I'm so glad I started endurance racing because, and solo racing is great, but when you're in there two hours, you, you just, you, you get to know the track. You get to know the car. There, yeah. There's no substitute for that. You wheel, find time, the rhythm. wheel time is like the second year I was driving with the team. Um, I'm in, I'm the first or second driver out and it is pouring rain at the Ridge and it had been hot like this. And then it started to rain, which means everything came to the top. Mm-hmm. Just oil And everywhere. it was yeah. slick as snot. And, and I'm in the mini putting along, and I lost the wipers, I lost the clutch, and I lost the brakes. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm calling Stick the team on the, the radio. I said, I, I can't <laughs> do this. Like, do, do I need to come in? Do I need to come in? And Sean's like, can you hold on? I, I think I can. And i never forget him saying, good boy. And I, I held, it was still some of the most terrifying laps I've ever done. You keep your magic bus on the track. I'm, I'm two hours in a pouring rain with no wipers, um, no brakes and no clutch. So I had to run it forth and then lift into the corners and cars are skating off the road around me. Like just pew, pew. And because I didn't have brakes or a clutch, I couldn't go that fast. So I stayed on the track and we ended up placing, I think second in class or something like that. Yeah. So we, we finally ended up, you know, winning a bunch of C-classes. And then two years ago, we had finally built an Austin 1100, Austin America, right? Which is a wagon with a mini engine Mm -hmm. in it and still pretty slow and complete hydroelastics, which means it has water bags in the corners. So there's water bags that push water and these tubes back and forth. And that is your brake and your shock and your whole suspension, which is hydroelastics. The Brits did that for a nice comfy (laughs) ride. Well, in a race car, it rides like a waterbed. So when you when you hit the brakes really hard, the back end lifts up, and you're used and then to when that. You accelerate it, no. yeah, yeah. yeah the motorhome does the same thing. Um, so we finally won Iowa in that car, nice. and you know other things have happened, and we didn't. Of course, we didn't race this year, um, and we raced a little last year, but Lemons is is phenomenal. So that kind of got me started racing, and I still, you know, I try to stint in IRDC solo racing, and um, I've never done SCCA, but I'm licensed sovereign now, so. You know, vintage racing is, um, I'd love to race Laguna Seca. I've, sure. I've done laps down there, but 
I've never had a mini at Laguna Seca, which I'd love to have. And God, coming to the corkscrew in a mini would be fun. Oh, so yeah. much fun. Especially when it's set up right. We're going to take our next break right here. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk to you a little bit more. Sweet. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Okay, so you and I are both British car guys. Uh-huh. And so we know what it takes to keep, I know what it takes to keep a British car on the road. Do you do all your work on, the, on your classic minis or yourself, or do you guys, I mean, how does that work? Um, I was looking at the engine in your mini, and I thought I had a small engine in the Triumph. Like, and I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got four hamsters. You've got at least two. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the raging. The raging. 1275 to Woo-hoo. 1300. That is, well, that, the mini that. Or That'd the, be a lot if it was in a motorcycle. The motor that's <laughs> in that mini is actually a swift tune engine. Uh, okay. If you go to some videos of Brands Hatch and you look up Nick Swift, you will see, because in England, the classic minis, they're, they're still run. They're run hard. They're run at Goodwood. They're run every weekend at a race. I, mean, I still can't think you've got a left-hand like drive mini out of, out of England. Like, that's so yeah. interesting. I have a right-hand drive one as well. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. But they're so easy to swap. That it just takes a steering rack. That if you've got the center binnacle, mm-hmm. there's a hole already there. Oh, for okay. the steering on the other side, so you just a new steering rack, switch it, and you're good. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, all the electrical. Flip know, the steering rack over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it's not that hard. Sure. Um, but I do a lot of the, the work. I, um, I've talked with Aaron. I want to build a transmission. I need to be able to swap gears, and uh, so minis, um, the drive comes out of the engine, and then there's a drop gear that goes down to the transmission, so they go 180, right? Because they're sitting, Mini was the f- the classic Mini was the first car to ever turn the motor sideways and put it on top of the transmission, the transverse, yeah, um, front wheel drive, and um, I need to, racing. I need to be able to change ratios. So I've talked to Aaron and about building the transmission, but they're they're complicated. You gotta if you're running straight cut gears, you gotta relieve the case in places. And um, I blew up a differential at uh, Pacific on turn eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the the last race. I was. <laughs> The, and it just the bolts had loosened up, right? The bolts had loosened inside, and they, have, we were looking at the oil, and the oil was kept coming with shavings in it, but it was aluminum. And like, where's this coming from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep running it. <laughs> the, bolts, the bolts had loosened, and they were slowly eating their way from the inside out through the diff case. Oh, Ooh. fun! And then I'm, I'm, you know, flying. I had done a qualifying, and. It was really good. I probably turned the best lap I'd ever done at Pacific in, in the of mini. Of course, yeah. And I lifted and turned. You had eight, that lightweight. You had that lightweight diff in there. Yeah, <laughs> it was a limited slip diff in the rain in a mini. No, but I'm just saying it's lighter and lighter every time you yeah, turn. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, less yeah. less yeah. aluminum. Yeah. Just yeah. shoot into the oil. <laughs> so, um, I remember in turn eight, the I I just lifted a little bit, and then the entire cabin filled with smoke. Just, poof, I thought I was on fire, and, um. Luckily, the, the pit turn ins right there, so I, I ran off into the pits, and I'm dr- I'm dribbling oil the whole way. Um, Oops. <laughs> yeah, I, I, five quarts must have disappeared like between four and eight somewhere, and they <laughs> did have to stop the race and clean the track. So that was all my fault. My bad. I'm so sorry. Um, but this is a, a back to lemons again. This is like our team. Um, I rolled into the pits. Cars busted. You know, no oil. Things are still turning. Fortunately, nothing was super damaged. The diff's good. The transmission's good. The motor's good. But 
I couldn't race because we're not going to fix that. Um, and so we packed the car up. It was the first day, and we headed home. And my wife and my son are in the car, and I'm cruising along. And I said, you know, we got a spare motor at home. And my son's like, yeah. I said, well, you know, during the lemons race, we can do an engine swap in like three hours. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Excellent. <laughs> what are you up for? <laughs> so he pushed a little bit. We got home, and uh, the the motor I had for a spare is just a bone stock 1275. I mean, it, it, it came out of a streetcar in Canada. And I, you know, Craig Hunter, our, our teammate, sold it to me as a, as a spare. So we rolled in, um, drove the two and a half hours home, um, started immediately, just, you know, threw everything apart. It, it, the front end comes off the race mini, so it's really nice. It's easy to get, get at things. And we had that engine out, worked till six in the morning, got the, the spare motor in, drove back to Pacific Raceways. And the A.J. Johnson, the other guy that drives a classic mini there, um, as I'm coming onto the track, he is... <laughs> I'm coming onto the track at nine in the morning, um, just as he's coming around down the straight or down to turn two. And he passes me in panics because now I'm back in the race. Yeah. I'm freaked out. <laughs> he said his lap times got, you know, slow. He, he, Where'd he come from? He cut three <laughs> seconds off his lap time as soon as I showed on the track, but yeah. I was, you know, dead last. And yeah. it was still, that's still a pretty good story. That kind yeah. of thrash yeah. is common in lemons races. And it's just that, that kind of racer dedication. Those things are, are kind of fun. I mean, they make good stories. Yeah. And those are... Make it better memories. Yeah. Those, those stories... It's an awesome son story. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a whole... The stories are worth a whole shelf of trophies. Yeah. And, and you get into a... Like I was, I was saying earlier, a, a real scrap with somebody where you're trading places four or five times. Even if... So Nick Swift in, in the UK, um, they'll be racing that... The, the race during Goodwood or Brands Hatch or something like that. And... He'll be in third place, but he'll be chasing down a Mustang, and they'll they'll be trading places, and everybody's watching that. Yeah, I mean, first is great, but people are just so focused on the holy cow, this mini is a giant killer, and it it I've seen him gun down Alphas, Mustangs. Um, back in the day, they would take out Camaros. It's so funny because I had I forgot where I was. I was at at our British Car Day, and somebody comes up to me and goes. Is that a mini? And I go, yeah. And he goes, but no, but it says Morris on the front of it. And I go, yeah. Uh-huh. I go, you're not, you're not getting this. He said, that's that that is. It but is it's a mini. mini. I thought it's a mini. No, it's a Morris. No, yep. <laughs> it is a mini. So are you Morris, a, are you a purist in the fact that do you think BMW helped mini or hurt mini? I do. I I don't think mini um, would have made it. Yeah. If if BMW hadn't, it was originally a mini design. I mean that that turning into a hatch should have been done a long time ago. The French did it with a classic mini, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but mini BMW improved it. There were like, I remember when they launched, there was some tension between the old minis and the new minis back in the early times, but that doesn't happen in the UK. I, you know, the, I just feel like they're getting bigger and bigger now. They're no longer mini. That is the nasty thing though. It's this, that's the downside of safety. Their Dakar, (laughs) their, their their Dakar racing truck though. That's one of the coolest things. So that's, yeah. Mini, I, it, if you want to, the car, has taught me how to drive and and there's there's always it just seems like with a classic mini and, and I know people don't like front wheel drive they always poo poo it but um not really it no. it just seems like there's a there there always seems to be another level like I was I was with an instructor at the ridge I was in a new mini I have an 08 mini that's kind of track prepped um 
And he goes, now we're going to explore liftoff oversteer. <laughs> and I went, what is that? I don't understand. <laughs> and yeah. so we would come around, uh, say, turn four at the ridge, really hot. And he'd go, now lift kind of hard. And the car would just start, to, you'd feel the back end of the drift, right, into, into a corner. And um, this, the picture Carl took of me and the rain, um, I finally learned how to chuck a mini into corners and, and how well they drive like rear-wheel drive cars at the limit you can feel them step out in the, in the seat of your pants mm-hmm. which is really nice because you know where the limit is that's way harder on a front-wheel drive and they spin for the opposite reason Porsches do I mean all the weights mm-hmm. in the front and I've spun a Mini a lot too um, going too hot and and not having the car set up right but when it is and it's magic and and the the front wheels I know they're doing a lot but they they drag you out of that corner oh my gosh you can it's not a lot of tire on a vintage mini. <laughs> no, but it's, when you're it's standing the, on the throttle, though, and just like 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 Paul Blake was was saying, the feel, the feedback the car gives you, yeah, is incredible in a classic mini at speed. It it it's addictive, um, and you know the Racines. There's there's so many. They do an all mini race about every three years, where they have just classic minis um, on the track. And I did my first one in Portland a couple of years ago, which was a blast. Um, and they're, they're tight mini circles, but they're, there's in the U S we're not as, you know, big of a racing group as in the UK or a lot of the rest of the world, but, um, it's, it's strong. And some of those cars are ridiculously fast. There's a guy uh, named Jeff Tupholm up North in Canada, who's owned his mini since he was 16 and he can gun down. <laughs> it's amazing the cars he passes. Um, you know, in a vintage race, easily as as fast as as most modern 911s. Um, with you know, saying a lot, in his, a there's no mini. weight. I yeah. mean, no weight. The right tune, the right driver. His, his man, cars you know kicking it. out, I, and I know he's done those those laps at Pacific. Um, and then guys like Larry Sandham up there has a big Vauxhall motor in his car. It's not, you know. That you can you can go beyond. Yeah, yeah. There right. was a guy when I was learning the motorcycle industry. There was a guy with the Hayabusa swap mini. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything they put V8s wow. in. Wow, thirteen hundred cc. Where would you mo- put a V8 like, in that car? There's uh, look at it online. There's there's some guy that built a drag car. Oh okay. I'm okay. Yeah. You're, I'm, I'm look because I'm looking at your engine bay. And I'm going. There's like how. <laughs> yeah, you can get to. It's probably sitting right next to him, right? The V8 yeah. motors right there. The thirteen hundred cc Hayabusa motor. Then you can turbocharge it and put it in there because it's such a small motor. So that's what the Hayabusa needs is, is a turbocharger. Right. Yeah, but in a mini, Z cars in the UK did a lot of. They did Hayabusa swaps and. Yeah. Rear wheel drive, um, <laughs> Huffaker, uh, you've heard of them. They're a British kind of racing tuning company. They did a MG swap, and they actually made it rear wheel drive with a front engine drive line, and they just annihilate cars. I don't know. Cars. You I, want a rear wheel drive mini? That'd be so that's different. That's stepping away from yeah, you know, that, vintage. It's detract. Yeah, and I, I like track. I like. <laughs> I still like the vintage. I mean, mine is massaged, but it's not over the top. Sure, and it's just. Oh, it's fun. It's, it's so much fun. One of the C- things I jumped to an alpha, the in the rain, um, there was a Lola that is at least three seconds faster than me in the dry, and then in turn two in the rain this year, um, he gave me a point by. <laughs> so there you go. That's always that's good, a win. Right? That's a win. One of the one of the, the things I did see on the side of your car was the nice Avant sticker. Oh, oh yeah, you're an Avant member. Love Avant. Right? Yes, I am. We need to. Uh, you were saying Avant needs to get out there onto the peninsula and oh. come see you guys. Yeah. The Olympic Peninsula has some just stunning roads, not Beautiful just Hurricane views. Ridge, and, and as Hurricane Ridge is national park and it's very well paved. But there are some little 
side roads that are. Yeah, they frown upon very, very hill climbing nice. that. Just if anybody's no, curious, I can, like that. speaking from experience. What was that road that Sean took us through? That Moclips was, Highway. Oh, God, that was insane. It was like yeah. somebody just buzzed the, that's the, the trees. Far, the that, far, is, that is straight. A, and oh, God, that was. I'll tell you what, though. You don't want to take it out on that highway. Where, no. would, they, where would a cop sit? Like, it's forest. The on end the, of the highway. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> as you're okay. barreling down at 160. Too, yeah, so. exactly. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you do not want to Reservation, take it. please. Okay. Yeah. I got you. They give big tickets. What's going on in the Avance world, Dan? Uh, next thing coming up is the Northwest Express Rally. Uh, always a good time. Avance members get $100 off using the code Avance. I don't know if that's fully booked out. It doesn't look like it is, but that's coming up. Uh, that'll be the 25th, so 25th and 26th, so the day after this comes out. So if you're thinking about that now, uh, you better call in a few favors. But uh, of all this racing talk, we've got RTGT Track Day at Portland International Raceway. Sponsored by Ron Tonk and Gran Turismo. Uh, Avance members get a 10% discount using Avance 10. Uh, you will have to prove you're an Avance member, by the way. So if you use that code and you aren't one, that would just be silly and dishonest. And you wouldn't do that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to carry our card with us now when we do stuff? Uh, <laughs> I don't think we do. Everybody questions it when I give them my card, and they're like, you're not number six. I know. <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah, I'm number four. He's I was surprised. Six. A carbon fiber card? The weirdest, kinda... the weirdest thing, and we've talked about this before, is Dan is four, and I'm six. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We joined at the same time. I, I think Diver Dave, Diver Dave is Dave five. Diver Dave is five. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's I mean, um, Adam has been, it's been a great partnership with us. So. We love Avance. Yeah. How long, you, how long have you, you been? Because you're, you're, you're an Avance member. How long have you been an Avance member? Uh, I was just going to look at my number right yeah. now. Let's yeah. see. Oh. Uh, six million charter, charter member zero zero two three six. Okay. okay, all right. There yeah. you go. See, there you go. You're charter, charter member. Sounds are the charter people? So yeah, and well, got to do those room tours. Good reminder of their latest uh, acquisition. Well, not acquisition. Their their latest uh, sponsor or partnership. Partnerships. The word I was looking do for that, yeah. is with Park Place right now. So you get a discount at Park Place Did now. Did you change the names yet? <laughs> <laughs> Unless Park you're Place, Nick. Griots. Yeah, Park Place Griots. Tons of partners for parts and car washes and things like that. I know I know Park Place has been busy. Yeah. Mostly by Garov. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? So anyway. Um and I want to say this. Not only did our guest show up tonight, but he drove from the peninsula in one of his vintage minis. What time did you leave this this, this afternoon? I got your email oh, at like boy. one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to leave. So the ferries are horrible right now because of COVID. So they, they're low on staff, so they're running um, lower runs. So I'm pretty sure there's a two-hour wait for me to oh. the peninsula. Okay. Oh, man. So I might just drive around. Thank there God a, you have all that AC. Oh, <laughs> classic minis, yeah. The AC yeah. is just open the window. Yeah. Um, so I left probably at a little before noon. <laughs> yeah. Get here by 5, yeah. yeah. And it's well, uh, 7.30 p.m. now, so... Yeah. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you coming in. That was in. great. And I yeah, do so want, I, when, when, you, when you get the, the, the road trip and you re- retrace your grandfather's steps, I want you to come back. That would uh, be awesome. And, and, you know, I'd love to do that. Always send us yep. updates on stuff you're doing. You know, we, we love to do that. Um, thank you for responding to the email and going, hey, I want to come on. So that's, Here we you know, are. Yeah, yes, absolutely. please. If you've got great stories like this, this is exactly what we're looking for. Come out west. There is west of Seattle. Exactly. You oh, could, we, we can on Peninsula. This, time op- time. this episode couldn't have been any more opposite from motorhomes to minis. I nope. mean, this is like. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, they're both front-wheel drive. They're both front-wheel drive, but there's a. You could fit like four minis in one of those if you stripped so it. What I'm thinking is we we get we get a vintage one of those, Dan. We turn it into a toy hauler where we put the mini in the in in the back. We, it's, it's strictly a. It's been done. I'm sure it has. In I, Canada, I, I there's think... a guy that had his mini hauler and the back end lifted up and drives the mini in. I feel like an aerial Adam would be fun. Oh, that would too. be amazing. Oh, you, we could put it. I'm saying we turn it into nothing but a track. Like there's nothing inside except tools and a oh, car. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Okay, here we go. All right. I think on our expense account just got drained. I think you so. need to. <laughs> Winks or Crescent Lake. Yeah. 
Oh, yes. Yes, I do. That's uh, a gorgeous thing. Yeah, I've drooled over it many times as I've driven by. I always stop out there and walk out to the end. There's that little store. You know, uh, Lake Crescent Lodge. Is that, yeah. is that the lodge? Yeah. No, yeah. not the lodge. There's like a, a little um, right off the highway there. Mm-hmm. It's like a, I think it's just part of a park. But I walk. I always walk down there and I look down because it's so clear. Yeah, my wife's um, family, uh, her extended family had a place out there forever. And they just drank their water right out of the lake. It's so yeah, clean. It's, uh, don't have to filter I, it. It's also freezing. I learned it's that one here cold. as well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in. Um, we appreciate it. Awesome. And Thanks, until, guys. Until the next time. It was so um, much fun. For this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.